actually uh, a good start. Yeah. Uh, Breishit is very difficult. It's definitely difficult to make sense out of it in the language that we know. It is true, it is true that several professors of Bogdan over the years, including one who is sitting here with us today, has tried to restate Breishit into a more modern kind of language, right? But, <coughs> but not only Dr. Schroeder has done this, others, uh, one a physicist, a chemist, uh, you know, everybody uh, is into it. Uh, so it's interesting, I mean, if you're interested in those things. And um, it's still, I find the mystery of Breshit a lot more compelling than the scientific evidence that somehow Breshit is in tune with modern, with modern science. Because it's, it's, like, it's like, to me, the way I look at it is, if I say there's going to be a storm tomorrow, uh, and there's a storm, it doesn't mean that I really knew that there was going to be a storm, right? Just so like you guess, and sometimes the guesses work out, sometimes they don't. But uh, I guess it's all, everything is interesting. What I would like to try to do is try to explain what the first psukim of the book of Breshit are about, what the issue is, and why they are there. So if you look at the psukim, the first section, Breshit okay, that pasuk in itself is pretty much comprehensible because you could say et veta'aretz equals everything. Right? Everything on earth, everything in heavens. You have the word bereshit. Okay, you could break down the word a little bit, but it sort of means in the beginning of things. But you know that there is a machloket, a difference of opinion about whether you go with Rashi or you don't go with Rashi in the English translations. And the English translation, the new English translations, I can't tell you what they are, even Kaplan, I think Mordechai Kaplan's translation, but certainly the Ari. J. What? Ari. Ari Kaplan. <laughs> the other Kaplan, all the translators, didn't, didn't translate Breshi. But Ari Kaplan, uh, the JPS edition, uh, all except Rashi, who taught us that this whole pasuk, the first two psukim in the book of Breshit, are a subjunctive clause, which has to be read something like, when God said about to do this and, and make the world, then God said, pasuk gimel, you see Pasukimo? Hello. I'm sorry, I tried to start on time. Did we say that? Okay. So the first Pasuk says, Breshit Baralu Kibat the Shabai Aretz. Now that could be the end of the story. Right? God created the heavens and the earth. The way Rashi understands it is that it's a subjunctive clause. The first pasuk and the second pasuk 
are and so when God said about to create the heavens and the earth and there was a lot of mess in the whatever the world was then and God said God said let there be light and that's the beginning of it but the more traditional I mean the other way of interpreting these is that each pasuk stands on its own and so the first pasuk is Breshit bara in the beginning in the beginning remember those translations in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and then the continuation the continuation is not so clear but it describes a mess that existed when God said about to create the world so the pasuk says tohu vavohu tohu vavohu right nobody knows what that means I don't know what that means. Rashi says, you see the Rashi Tova Vohu? Tohu Lashon Tamav That there's something desolate, waste, desolate. Shadam Toher Mishtomeim Al Vohu That somebody is, it's called Tohu because that's the reaction. You, you're amazed at such desolation, right? Uh, and then Rashi explains that the word tohu means something belaz. Belaz means in a, some foreign language that, the, you know, Rashi had students that came from all over Europe, even students who came from Russia. And so Rashi would sit there and say, what do they call it? What do the Goyim call this? So somebody answered in old French and somebody answered in old Polish and somebody answered in old Russian. And that's why the study of Old French is connected to the study of the Lazim in Rashi. Right? The great students of Old French, whose names I disremember, were students of Rashi. They were all Jews who went to Cheder because no one else had access. This, is, this was the Old French that they're talking about. Right? Old French. Old French is like, like we say... Old French, you say Paris. I mean, this is the only word I know in Old French. <laughs> so don't be too how amazed. About, how about No, I don't know that. <laughs> Paris, no, that could be like more Germanic. But Paris, right? The French, for some reason, they say Paris. But that happens, people get lazy. You know, yeah, it's too hard to say Paris. But the Jews, when they talk about Rabbi Yechiel, me, they always say, I'm here, me, Paris, because that's what he said. So we wouldn't know that if that for, that for Rashi, right? That's how we, we know that. Okay, so the, everything was tov it means desolate. Rashi says, bohu l'shon rekut, rekut, like emptiness. Like that, the word desolate means empty, I think. And then it says, "Ruach Elokim Rachevet Al Penei Ham." Sorry, "V'Choshech Al Penei Tahom." Choshech darkness on the face of depths. I mean, I guess that's poetry. Choshech Al Penei Tahom. Rashi says, "Al Penei Tahom Al Penei Hamayim She'Al Haaretz." Remember this. This is a very important thing. That this is before creation, right? Before creation, the idea in the Torah is that things were created. 
They were things. I mean, they weren't the way you want them to be, or the way God wanted them to be, but they were. So what do we have already? We have tohu and vohu, and we have uh, tohom, and tohom is mayim, Tehom is mine, Tehom is waters, like the depths. But now, where are the tohom depths? Tehom is not the same as Tohu as in Tehom of the It's not the same word. No, no. not at all. Tehom is a word I understand. It means depths. Okay. And Tehom of Bo, I don't understand. Okay. But the end of that Pasuk is Ruch Elohim Rachevet Al Pnei that I really don't understand. And what could that possibly mean? The Spirit of God hovered on the face of the waters. Okay, there were waters, that's Tohom. Where did the face of God come from? You know, the, the, the spirit of God, I'm sorry. So along comes Rashi, and you know that Rashi, when he doesn't understand something literally, he resorts to Chazal. He's also called, Rashi, generally speaking, except for grammatical matters, does not make up, does not create innovative interpretations. Rashi's innovation is in choosing the Chazal. Right? He said, I want you to remember, it's like Rashi say, he's a teacher. So he says he knows all the books. And he says to the students, that's us, so I want you to remember this one. That's called the comment of Rashi. So the greatness of Rashi is in the way he chooses. It's not, because he doesn't invent the material generally, but assuming that he knew it all, and between him and his students who worked on this project, they knew all the, the books that they had at that time. So the chidush, the novel idea of Rashi, is pointing us to a particular statement in Chazal that he felt was critical for understanding this parasha. So now here's the pasuk. It says, it says, Ruach Elohim Rachevet Al right? Ruach Elohim is the spirit, right? We translate Ruach, wind, as spirit. I guess spirit is also windy. Now the word Merachefet, the word Merachefet means to hover, right? Uh, usually when I think of hovering, so I think about a, a helicopter, like above a highway, it's hovering. I mean, what does this, could this possibly mean? That Ruach Elohim, that the Spirit of God is hovering above the water. But that's how Rashi knew that Tehom is Mayim, because the next Pasuk says there was water. So that was water. Where's the water? So the water is Alpanei Tehom. Right? So then Rashi. Look at Rashi. Ruach Elohim Merachefet. You see that Rashi? The fourth line in the Rashi. Fourth line in the Rashi. Kisei HaKavod Omeid Ba'avir Kisei HaKavod Right? The divine, well, sometimes it's a chariot and sometimes it's a throne. It's the place upon which you can find God. God is there on this place. Right? I know that God is every place. But God is also in a place. This idea is a very old idea. They repeat it again and again in Kabbalistic works, right? That God is everywhere, but God is also somewhere. And we all, we all agree to that, right? We all agree to that. You go to Shul to Daven, or you go to the Kotel to Daven. 
It doesn't mean that God is only there, but somehow we say that God is everywhere, but God is especially there. That's what we say. So Rashi says, Rashi says, that this throne, this honored seat is uh, omeid, sort of standing in the air. And is hovering over the face of the waters. The wind coming out of God's mouth. Ma'amaro are the things God says. The spoken words. The, the creation. That was why Yomer Elohim Yihior. God said, let there be light. And that those words created the hovering of the Kisei HaKavod al that's what that's what Rashi says and then he adds kiyona hamerachefet al haken like a what's a yona yeah, uh, yeah. Ooh, like like there are these little little birds that hover uh, that flap their wings but they don't move around they don't go anywhere hummingbirds hummingbirds yeah those little little birds so that's what he's describing he says yona I don't know I don't know Rashi's knowledge in uh, whether he was a bird watcher or not. But ken. The ken is a nest. Right? You know, the birds are watching over the young by hovering over the uh, so you have to remember this. You have to remember this Rashi, because we'll come back to it. We will come back to it. Pasuk Dalit. Pasuk Dalit says Vayar Elokimita or Kitov I'm sorry, Pasukimu. Vayoma Elokim Yihi or Vahi or God said, Let there be light and there was light. Rashi doesn't say anything about that. But according to the Rashi interpretation that you don't have on the sheet of Pasukalif, I told you where Rashi says that the first two Psukim are subjunctive. Right? So that the story of creation begins with this Pasuk, the Pasuk Gimel. And Pasuk 1 and Pasuk 2 describe the situation that existed before Pasuk Gimel. Right, so I'll say it again. When God said about to create the world, and the world was just a mess, and there was water mixed up, and God was hovering over whatever, then God said, I've got to straighten out this mess. And that was the beginning of creation. And God said, let there be light. And the first thing i got to do is get rid of the darkness that, that existed before, right? There's darkness. So God, the first thing God created was light, right? So Rashi doesn't say a word about that. It's perfectly clear to Rashi that it will be perfectly clear to us that it makes a lot of sense that the first thing God should clear up in the world is the darkness. Pasuk Dalit. Vayar or Kitov. Okay, Kitov becomes then a theme in the, uh, in the continuing Psukim, which we're not going to do today, but you have to know that this idea that what God does is somehow called tov, 
becomes very important in the description of creation. Right? Now, whatever tov might mean, I mean, tov doesn't mean it was just good, it worked, or this, because the first thing that Rashi explained to us is that the creation of or didn't work. There was something wrong with the creation of or. That's what Rashi said, the next pasuk, the next pasuk, vayar lekibet or ki tov, vayavdel, I'm sorry, continuation, vayavdel lekibet or vayachol sheikh, oh! What is vayavdel lekibet or vayachol sheikh? The God distinguished the light from the darkness. What does that mean? That the light did not wipe out the darkness. Otherwise you couldn't distinguish with it. You'd only have light. In order to distinguish between the light and the dark, you had to have light and dark. So that's what, what happened. God created the, uh, uh, the light, and then you have Dele Lukim Bein Ha'or Bein Ha'choshech. What do you think about that? Even in this case, even in this particular case, we have to go to Agada. What is Agada? Not Pshat. What is Pshat? Reading the words as they are in order, in the order in which they are written. You read them and you try to understand them. The Re'agada has a more liberal view of understanding Sukim. You could take a word out of context and build on that word, for example. So what does Rashi say? What does it mean to say Vayara Lukimita or Kitov Vayabdel? Vayabdel. He doesn't like Vayabdel. He Rashi doesn't like Vayabdel. Sheino Kidai Lishtamish Bovishaim Vivdilo Latsadikim La Atid Lavo. So Rashi does not explain the way I explained it. That Vayabdel means to distinguish between light and the darkness. But Rashi assumes that God created light, there would be light all the time. There would only be light, there wouldn't be any, any, uh, uh, any uh, darkness. So what is Vayavdel? When Rashi says, and so God separated, created this distinction between light and darkness, listen to what he says. Ra'ahu, he saw the light. She'eno that this light could not be used by Rishaim, by the wicked people that were going to live in the world. They could not live in a world that was basked in divine light. Impossible. And so God Ivdil, he took that light that he had created and he put it away someplace to a place where there would only be tzaddikim in the future. Where is that? Lo yodea. But maybe, maybe what it means is that, you know, in Olam Abba, when there's some kind of clarification about who everybody is, the people who deserve to be there, the people who do not yet deserve to be there, right, that's Olam Abba, right? That's all of that is Olam Abba. So there, there, there's the light. So this is the first time 
according to Rashi, that God seems to have been mistaken about something that is being created. It, or, uh, you don't want to say it that way. So you say that God understood or knew that certain kinds of creation were necessary even though they could not be appropriately used at the time. They couldn't be used in the world that was going to be created. So we have, again, this idea, which either annoys us or makes us feel good, that there was some kind of lack of clarity about what was being done, about what was being created, about what it was... I would, you know, I, I don't like to say it, but it's like, what was it that God was doing? Why was he creating something for people that wouldn't all be there? The, the people that were going to live in the world were also include Yishayim. That was the way it is. So Rashi goes on and says, Rashi, Rashi says, If the Lord said, Right, you see Rashi says, up to now he's telling me what, what the Medrash Agadah said about the word Vayavdel, Vayavdel. Now he says, you could explain it directly, he saw that the light was good, and it doesn't make any sense to say that there would be light and darkness together, mixed together. I mean, how would that work? It would, you know, the light would always would always win. So even though God only created pshat, right? This is Rashi says. Rashi says this is the pshat. If you want, if you like, interested in pshat. I mean, Rashi doesn't think you have to be interested in Shad, even though he said about himself many times in the parashiyot of Breshit and Noah. Ani, Rashi says, Ani That's me. I'm a Pashtan. I'm a Pashtan. The Medrash is full of non-Pshat interpretations. I'm not for that. I'm for Pshat. But Rashi says sometimes I can't, the pshat just doesn't work. And I have to get some added firepower from the medrash. And this is one of those, one of those times. But Rashi obviously doesn't understand. It's as if God created light, then the light should do away with the darkness. But we know that's not true because a day later, God created luminaries. I like that word. Just love it. Luminary. Can you imagine God making luminaries, screwing in the light bulbs in heaven? I mean, it seems so uh, remarkable. So God created luminaries. There's a luminary for the daytime, and a luminary for the nighttime. Well, this is called the sun, and this is called the moon. So where did that come from? So Rashi says it was already there. There were no luminaries, but there was day and night. That's according to Rashi. That's the pshat. That's the pshat. Vayavdel elokim ben or ben echoshech. Pasuk hey, vayikra elokim la or yom lechoshech kora laila. Vayerev vayivoke yom echad. Vayerev vayivoke yom echad. Rashi says. Rashi says. Is it for me? No. Oh, it's 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 got a mind of its own, hasn't it? <laughs> 
Okay, I got it. You can stomp on it. It doesn't always work. It doesn't always work the stomping, but it makes you feel good. Okay, Yom Echad. You see the Rashi? If he say there, the Shon Haparasha, Ayalu Dechtov Yom Mishal. I'm not going to talk about whether this is correct or not. In Hebrew, there are two words that might mean one, number one. What? Echad and Rishon. Right? Echad and Rishon. The word Echad could be applied to something that only exists as one. There's only one of them. Rishon more or less implies that there could be another one, or second. The Pesach says, right, the Pesach says, Yom Echad. So the Yibin Ezra explains it, it's well known, well known, that at that time there was Yom Echad, it was just one day. You couldn't say Yom Rishon when there's only one day. But Rashi says, if he say the Lashon HaParashah, Yom Rishon, he says, but after all, we know that it's going to be the Yom Sheni. I mean, it's right there, right? First of all, why didn't the Torah write Yom Rishon? Kemoshe Katub Yom Bishara Yamim. In the other days, it says Sheinish Nishirivi. Lama Katav Echad. So why did the Torah write Echad? It doesn't know this elementary rule of grammar, right? Could that possibly be the case? The Fisha Yakodesh Bochu Yachid Bolamo. Because God, at this time, the emphasis is that. The whole world is is echad, right? It's just one one creation and also one God at this time. What do you mean one God? Well, there's always one God. I mean, what do you have to say in this pasuk that there's one God? I mean, what was the other possibility? There was no one else to say. What? There was no one else to say that there are others or to claim. Yeah, but that's okay. I like that. But that's what you say. That's not what Rashi says. Rashi says, "Lefisha Yakadish Baruch Yachid Ba'olamo Shelon Nivreu Hamalachim Ad Yom Sheni," because the angels had not been created until the second day. That's what Rashi says. Now, we, you know, if we had time, like a lot, a lot of time. I don't mean just a little time. Well, a lot of time, you'd see that the angels, according to Rashi, played a very important role in creation. Even though creation was God's work, nevertheless, it happened with the angels. Right? When God set about to create man slash woman, the Pesach says, Nase Adam Bitsalmenu Chidmutenu, we shall make. And so the Mefarshim ask, Who's the we? Who's the we who are going to create or going to make this, uh, this happen? So uh, the Ibn Ezra says, the Ibn Ezra who had like a, a, a good sense of language, I think, the Ibn Ezra says that uh, it's the royal we, right? You know there is something like that? Those of you who know royalty, you know, that's how, that's how royals speak. We are going to the store to buy milk. And you say, who's we? We is me, because I'm more than meets the eye, right? I'm we. So Rashi thought that, so Rashi said, that God discussed the matter or had some kind of, uh, uh, of a, uh, worked it out with the angels, 
with the Tzvaot HaShabbat, with all the others. And this was how, according to Rashi, humility was created. <coughs> obviously God didn't have to consult with them, but in order to create humility, which is for us a good thing, right? Because Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, he was the most... When, when the epitaph for Moshe Rabbeinu was written, what was written in the Torah was the most humble. The most humble, so that, that Moshe Rabbeinu achieved that purpose in creation more than any other, any other person. So, Here's Pasuk 6. You see Pasuk 6? <coughs> the Pasuk means, God said, let there be a rakia. Now, rakia, I have no way of knowing what that is. The English translations that I've seen in my life say firmament. When I was younger, I couldn't even get it. I didn't have a clue of what that meant. But now, having achieved old age, I understand. It's a thing that's firm. Right? It's a firm, a firm thing. So this is an absolute mystery. If God made something firm, then it should be there. And when the astronauts go and fly off to the moon, they should fly into a wall that will stop them from going wherever they're going. But that's what the Pesach says. A firmament means in the waters. Now, which waters are we talking about? Ruach Elokim mirachefet al pnei hamayim. That's pasuk bet, right? The second pasuk. It says there's al pnei hamayim. The whole world is covered with water, and then God went. We don't know whether this is creation or not creation. Yirakir betoch hamayim v'mavdil. And then Pasuk Zayin. And God made this Rakia. Between the waters that are under the Rakia, firmament, and the waters that are above. But why did God do that? What was the point? I understand that later on, God moved the waters. So there would be, in the world, dry land and waters. That made sense. That was a vayavdel. You couldn't have a world without that. But what is this vayavdel ben hamayim limala ben hamayim limata? What possible purpose could there be in that, in creating a distinction between two things that are the same? And that without the rakiah, just simply connected one to the other. Don't give up. Okay, Rashi. Rashi, Yehi Rakia. Rashi, Yehazeka Rakia, make it strong. Shafa, Pishadib, Rushamayim, Beyom Rishon. Even though the heavens are created on the first day, Rashi, that's Pasakalik. Rashi, Brother Shabayim, Adayin Lachima, you, they were still watery. Pishamayim. It was like, you know, you couldn't really, you couldn't really get a grab onto it. Uh, 
Yehirakia. And when God said, God said, Yehirakia, let there be a firmament. So the waters got uh, the rakia, which pre-existed, suddenly got hardened by the, because God was screaming at them. Right, so they got hardened out of fear. The Omro Yehirakia, Vezeu Shagatuv, another Pesach, right? So now, Betoch HaMayim, the next Rashi. Be'emtza HaMayim, in the middle. Sh'yesh Efresh Ve'mayim Ne'yonin Rakia, K'mo Ben Rakia, L'mayim Shala Aretz, E'lamada T'shem T'luyim B'mamaro Shemelech. So you know that there is a space between the Rakia, here's the Rakia, and the above, waters above, and the rakia, this is the rakia, and the waters below, and somehow God keeps this whole thing from collapsing, from you know the waters like rushing back into each other. That's what that's what Rashi, that's what Rashi says. Pasuk Zayin, Vayas Elokim et Rakia, Tikno Al Emdov Hiasiatos. This is Vayas. That it, 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 there's a certain permanence. It was there already. That's what Rachi's trying to explain. It was there already. The Rakia was there. It was there in place. The upper waters, the lower waters, right? Kimo, whatever. I don't want to get into that. Again, the waters are hanging in the midair. They're not being hung, they're not being contained by the Rakia. The rakia is just distinguishing if there's above the rakia and below the rakia. Otherwise, we wouldn't know that there's a difference between the waters above and the waters below. Okay, I'm so happy we got up to here. Now I would like to tell you something. Uh, it's like leftover from Sukkot, but it's okay, right? Leftover from Sukkot. If you go down to the next pasuk, Vayikra Perik Bet Pasuk Yud Gimel, there's an amazing Pasuk, amazing meaning always means that I don't understand it. <coughs> Which may not be so amazing, but I hope so. Kol korban minchatcha b'melech timlach. Mincha, what's a mincha? Sacrifice. A meal offering. Meal offering, like you make it in a frying pan, you put in oil, then flour, you fry it up, and then you can eat it, right? So this pasuk is talking about minchatcha b'melach timlach, that you use salt. You have to put salt into this cake that you bake. And that's a korban. That's a special kind of korban. V'lot hashpit melach brit elokecha me'al minchatcha v'lot hashpit tashpit is like to rest. You shouldn't avoid it. You should, uh, you should be very careful to do this, to put the melach on the mincha. And this melach is called brit elokecho. Brit, the word brit, is a covenant. And we know that in the Torah there are a number of covenants that are mentioned. Right? There's the Har Sinai, and then the end of the book of Ayikra, and then the Gebarshat Kitavo, Nitzavim, Vayelet. It comes up all the time. Brit. 
But what is a Brit? Melach Brit Elokecha. What possible Brit had something to do with Melach, with salt? I didn't say salt. Melach is salt. Salt, like regular salt. Not special salt. And then it says, Mi'al minchatecha, al kol korbancha ta'kriv melech. Beyond, not only the mincha, but every korban that you give in the Beit HaMikdash, you have to salt it. If you are happy, I'm happy. What does Rashi say? What does Rashi say? Rashi says, Melach Brit. Shabrit Kruta Lemelach Misheshet Yimei Breshit. That this covenant with the salt, I'm just reading Rashi. This is like not a secret source. The secret source will come up in a minute. But the Melach is a covenant that is established from the time of the six days of creation, What is the, the covenant that we never heard of? That the, that the Mayim HaTachtonim, what are the Mayim HaTachtonim? The lower waters, what are they? They're the ones under the rakia. Right, the ones under the rakia. Likarev b'mezbeach They will be sacrificed on the altar in the Beit HaMikdash with salt. With salt. So the Siftei Chachamim, one of the commentaries on, the, on Rashi, just says, it must be that the melach comes from water, which I guess is at least partially true. It was not all the salt comes from water, but a lot of the salt comes from water. And so he says, what Rashi is referring to is water. What water is Rashi referring to? The lower and the upper. And by sacrificing, by sacrificing melach, on every korban that you give, you kind of elevating the water from which this melach comes from. And then it says in the Rashi, in the Rashi, V'nisuch ha-mayim b'chad. And we all know that water is very important on Sukkot. And there's a korban, a special korban, not an uh, something I add to a korban which is melach, but a korban of its own called mayim, called water. And that is the highlight, at least according to the Mishnah, getting the water, right, that bringing it to the Beit HaMikdash was the foundation of what we call Simchat Beit HaShoeva, but it was really Simcha. Beit HaShoeva, Beit HaShoeva, the place of drawing the water, the place that we draw the water out of. So what does Rashi say? What does Rashi say? The, the, uh, it seemed to imply, I mean, I know what Rashi says because I know the source. 
the, what Rashi says is that there was something, there was a problem in the world, that the world was created, that the world was created with this problem because the world would be inhabited at least in part by Rishaim, by bad people, and the bad people could not live or could not bear a world that was pure, or that uh, even that its judgments were pure. Take, for example, next week's parsha. What happened in the time of Noah? The word had to be had to be destroyed because of the of the way people the way people acted. So the world could not be created for the righteous alone. In order for the world to be created for regular people, there had to be a distinction that would made somehow between the purity of the world that could be made by God and the kind of less pure world that was in fact made by, by God in which we can operate and bring ourselves to God, we can move the world in the direction that God wanted it, it to be done. And the thing that represents that weakness on the one hand and opportunity on the other hand is mine is water. At the time that water of the year where the water catches our attention more than any other time is Sukkot, where we have Simchat Beit HaShoeva, and a Korban called Nisuchamayim, which is a very strange kind of Korban, because anything else that we bring to the Beit HaMikdash has to go through some sort of process that we're involved with, right? Uh, animals have to be slaughtered, and Mincha have to be has to be prepared and wine has to be made. Only water. You just take the water out of the ground and you pour it on the Mizbech and that's called, that's called a korban. Nisuchamayim is called, is called a korban. Now all of this, all of this Rashi, this explanation I just gave, is found in the Hadar Skenim. Hadar Skenim is a collection of uh, interpretations from the time of the Baalei Atosafot. But, but they, they come from uh, Kasher in the, in the Torah Shlema, there is such a book, he quotes it as a Medrash, without giving a, a reference. So he said, the Hadar's Kenim is a collection. So he probably knew that it was here, but he doesn't know, he didn't know where it come from, came from. It's in the collection, but there's no, there's no reference. But let's read together. This statement in Hazar's Kenyan. Leave out the first Davar Acher, it doesn't matter. Fikach, lo ne'mar kitob basheni. Therefore, I answer the question why it doesn't say kitob basheni. Kifisha yaba machloket. On the second day of creation, there was a machloket, a dispute. Because after all, where the lower waters became separated from the upper waters by the rakia, right, the, the, the rakia, so the lower waters started to cry uh, 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 terribly. That God put them, those waters, the lower waters, in a world which could be described as unclean. Tamei, a world that you don't want to be in. Amalem Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Hakadosh Baruch Hu responded. Shitku, 
You keep quiet, you, the lower waters, right? Keep quiet. And I will command that every year there will be a sacrifice of water. But they didn't think that was good enough. They weren't satisfied, the lower waters. Because they said that only happens once a year. Okay, it happens seven days, but one time. There's one time of the year that you do this sacrifice called Nisuchamayim. So why should that make us happy? We have to live in a world of Tumah all year long. God established a Brit. That's the Brit that Rashi is talking about. Here it is. Karat lema kodesh bochu brit sheyim lechu akorbanot that all of the sacrifices given during the year every day of the year will be sacrificed with melach shenemar al kol kol banchat akriv melach velot hashpit melach vekeva that's the pasuk that's the pasuk that we just read vekevan. And since that day of creation was a day of dispute, it doesn't say kitov, shenemar, etc. Okay? So I tell your attention again. I call your attention, in fact, to the first, uh, to the first section, Rashi, Pasuk Bet, Ruach Elokim Merachefet. You see the fourth line in the Rashi. Kisei HaKavod Omeid Ba'avir Umerachef Al Pnei HaMayim Beruot that the Kisei HaKavod was hovering in the air and Merachef hovering on the face of the waters Beruach Piv Shal HaKadosh Baruch Hu B'Mamaron It was this, the, the, the words of God that enabled this to take place, so that the Kiseha Kavod representing God was hovering up Neamayim, representing creation, and that God had to, in order to create the world, had to tear asunder that relationship. It had to be undone in order that the created world should be able to get back to. Uh, the original intention, which was Ruach Elokim Rachefet Al Pnei and this is uh, this is the Brit, the Brit that's Kruta, the Brit, the covenant that's established with Bnei Yisrael, is that they will get back to that. They will get back to Ruach Elokim Rachefet Al Pnei Hamayim. It's a it's a done deal, but it's not going to be so easy. It's not going to be obvious, uh, but at the end of the day, that's what's going to that's what's going to be. Tov. That's it. Have a good Shabbos.